0: It is my honor today to introduce Pam Brown. Pam spent 23 years working for the Department of Justice. In 2009, she was stationed in Thailand, becoming the first female supervisory DEA special agent to serve Southeast Asia. Upon retirement, Pam returned to her native Shreveport. She currently does advocacy work with people acting for change and equality, better known to many of us as PACE, and is embarking on work with a non-government organization combating sex trafficking in Southeast Asia. She also pursues a bit of acting on the side. Please join us in welcoming Pam Brown. Thank you for that introduction. You didn't have to do the acting part because people are going to think that I'm actually acting up here this morning. However, I'm not, I I truly tell you. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me back there? It is a privilege to be here with you today. I don't want you to be concerned that I had a former career as a special agent with the Drug Enforcement Administration. There will be no frisking on the way out the door. And I, I can tell you that my policies concerning marijuana are probably much more liberal than some of yours in here. Um, But I am happy to be here today. I have to tell you I am not a minister. I'm not clergy of any kind. You will soon discover I'm not a great public speaker. But I do have a voice within the LGBT community. And this month as we celebrate Pride, in the month of June, I do have a story to tell. And we'll talk about that story in a few minutes. Right now I would like to expand just a little bit on what Melissa said about pride. Because many of us know about pride, but some of us probably still need to know a little more about it. And I'd like for you to try to imagine 1969, June, being in the city of New York on Christopher Street, and you're just sitting down, you're having a cocktail at the Stonewall Inn because back then there really weren't many places where the LGBT community could go to to be together. It was bars. We didn't have community centers. We weren't accepted in many places. So we congregated at bars. Now in 1969 I was 11 years old so I was not there. But I can imagine just how it was. They're sitting there enjoying their afternoon and and come a bunch of police. Now I am law enforcement. Um, So I I understand, being law enforcement, I understand that there are times when you need to intimidate people, but you don't need to intimidate law-abiding citizens who are doing nothing. So New York City cops raided this bar. The patrons were doing nothing illegal. Their behavior was quite good. They were just enjoying the afternoon. They were roughed up. They were beaten. Some were handcuffed, hauled away to jail. And this really, for lack of better terms, pissed people off. And sometimes we need to get angry. Because in every movement, you need two things you need a group that will act out, that will act up. And also you need that faction of people that do the silent work, because it can be as powerful as well. But during this day, the LGBT community decided to make a stand, and they did. Riots went on for several days. It was televised nationally. It was heard around the world. And it really was the time when the LGBT community said, We're not going to take this anymore. It was a watershed moment. And it became the movement and the impetus for pride, for our pride events and for our pride marches. It was the moment when the LGBT community said, we're not that different from you. We're your brothers. We are your sisters. We're your aunts. We're your uncles. We're your colleagues. We're your neighbors. And we want the same things that you have. We want the ability to fall in love, to have families, to pursue careers. We just want to live our lives. We said, we want all of the constitutional and civil liberties that you as straight people have. We want what is our birthright. That's all that movement was really about. And that's why we designate in the LGBT community June as the month of Pride. We want to show you that we are just like you. And when I say you, I know that we have many LGBT members in this church. When I say you, I mean to the world, the ones at one time that weren't accepting us. So that's really why we celebrate Pride and I want to commend this church for allowing me to be here to discuss it. I think that's Amazing. I don't know many other churches, probably in Louisiana, probably in Shreveport, they're allowing this voice during this month. So I commend you and I thank you for this opportunity. Now back to my story. I've been a big old lesbian for a long time. I'm 57. I came out when I was 17 in rural Louisiana. Thank you. I knew no other gay people. I didn't know that they existed. I didn't even know who I was. But I kissed a girl. And when I did, it really was almost an epiphany. It was if the clouds opened up and the sun shone through. It exp- That day expanded my world and it also made my world come crashing down. Expanded my world because I finally got it. I finally understood why when I was watching Big Valley as a young girl, that western, you guys remember that western? Some won't. There were a lot of westerns back then. I finally realized why I kept wanting to kiss Audra instead of Heath. And I also, it clicked to me that I had crushes on my female teachers, not my male teachers, and I was most drawn to my mother's friends, not my stepfather's friends, male friends. I had crushes on my best girlfriends in school, but not boyfriends, and I dated. I dated a lot. I was Miss Popularity, was a great athlete, good student, I was the young lady that the mothers wanted their daughters to emulate, and the fathers wanted their sons to marry. And I enjoyed that. But it never resonated with me with my boyfriends. When they wanted to get serious, I found some way to disengage, to dump them, to get involved in something else or move on to another boyfriend. But when I had that first moment with a girl my age, then things started to click with me. Now I was very proud of it. It was like, oh my God, this is wonderful. Finally the answers have come to me. I know who I am. I don't feel unsteady anymore. Well, I grew up Southern Baptist and my family did not take this so well. In fact, I was living with my grandparents at the time in the country because they had a good basketball program and I was a good athlete and I went to play on the Allstate basketball team. Back then, you burned trash in the country. There was no trash pickup. You went to the big can outside and you burned your trash. Well, this young girl had written me a letter. This other 17-year-old girl had written me a letter. And wouldn't you know, my grandmother she was burning trash came across that letter. Immediately called my mother who came and checked me out of school and by the look on my mother's face I thought someone in my family had died. And about six months later I wish someone in my family had died because my mother did not accept this well. Of course most parents blame themselves. They think that they have done something wrong. My mother had no information about lesbians, gay and lesbian community, homosexuality. We did not have the Internet then. There were no resources available to her, but she had the Bible. And she literally lived by the word of the Bible. Now, we all know we can dispute the Bible and its many interpretations over the years. My mother could not. She was convinced that I was going to die and go to hell and never see her again. And she reminded me this every day. My mother actually looked at me one time and said, I would rather you be dead than gay. Now, many of you may have seen my mother because she's been to church with me. Miss Bettinger, can you imagine my sweet mother saying that to me? Of course not. But as a child who's 17, uh, your foundation, your bedrock is that unconditional parental love. I did not believe that anymore. I went from an A student to a C student. I went from a great athlete with college offers to play ball to someone who couldn't even shoot a free throw because emotionally I had no support for my family my friends and wouldn't you know that the principal of my school was also the deacon of the church prior to this time in my life i had never heard a sermon about homosexuality but once the community my entire school my teachers all my family once they realized that i was going through maybe some homosexual stage when you know every sermon for the next three months was about homosexuality. It was a difficult time in my life. My senior year was probably to this day the worst time in my life, because I was ostracized by everyone. And I remembered those stories. I was a vacation Bible school girl. I went every, every summer. And I went to church every day that the church doors were open my mother saw to that and I remember that story Jesus loves the little children and I just couldn't understand why all of a sudden this was such a big deal I was still a good kid I was still a good person nothing had changed except I wanted to have a relationship with a girl and date a girl versus a boy My mother and I went through a very difficult year. Um, At the age of 18, after graduating from high school, I left the great state of Louisiana. And I did so as a survival instinct. I knew that I had to get out of this state to reach my potential. I was smart. I was athletic. There were so many things that I wanted to be and do. And I realized at 18, that if I stayed in this state, I would not be able to reach my potential. So I left, the best decision I ever made. During the next course of a few years, my mother and I worked to repair our relationship. And coming back from college, one day I sat her down and I said, Mom, you do not have to understand this. It's beyond you, I get that. But if you want me in your life, you're going to have to accept this. So find a way in your heart to accept it. My mother is now 82, and we have come full circle. That is why I returned to this state after being away so many years to be here with family, to spend some good years with my mother. And I can tell you that a defining moment happened for me September 11th. Now, we all remember it for different reasons, and we should remember it for the main reason. But for me, it has another meaning. I was in Miami. I was in charge of the United States drug operations at the Miami airport. Any dope that came in from Columbia, I worked and did the control deliveries with my unit. And I was at the airport that day, that morning, And I knew my mother would be scared because there were airplanes involved, so I called her. We spoke for a few minutes, and I assured her that everything was going to be okay. And she told me, well, you know, Shreveport might be next because President Bush just landed here at Barksdale. We had our conversation. We assured each other that everything was going to be okay. At the end of the conversation, my mother said, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in heaven. I got off the phone and I, I cried and I laughed, because finally my mother believed I'd be going to heaven. I tell you this story not to make you feel sad or bad for me, I tell you this story because these stories happen, and these stories continue to happen. But. With people like you, with this church, this congregation, things like this will stop happening. And I want to thank you for providing a great place for people to come. I wish you had existed when I was growing up. Now, I would have left the state of Louisiana for sure. No doubt about that. But you would have made it a lot easier me so I want to commend you and thank you for providing such a beautiful welcoming opening place to the LGBT community working here with pace um, I have seen that you have contributed to the gay and lesbian film festival where the objective is to make people aware of our lives and who we are and this church has supported that financially thank you I have noticed people in here that I know from other places, they're going through things in their lives, that I know they're not getting the support from their families. You have become their family. On their behalf, on behalf of the LGBT community, I say thank you. I'm sure you all have been reading the paper, you're looking at the internet, and you see what has happened with the Supreme Court last Friday. It is a monumental watershed civil rights victory for not only the LGBT community, but for you, because it's about humanity, not so much about sexual orientation. It's about humanity, because anytime we talk about civil liberties and constitutional rights, that's about humanity. And that's my religion. That is my religion. I practice humanity. And it's so wonderful to know that our Supreme Court is doing the same thing. Now, as already was mentioned by Melissa, wouldn't you know, Dad gummit, the state of Louisiana is the fiercest resister of implementing the Supreme Court ruling. Of course, it's an election year, and our governor actually believes that he has a chance to be president of the United States or he's setting the stage for the future. and our Attorney General Buddy Caldwell, believe me he's not my buddy and he ain't your buddy, (laughs) uh, declared that it will be at least 25 days. In other words, this state is going to exhaust all legal possibilities before they issue marriage certificates. On behalf of humanity and the LGBT community, I urge you all please Contact the Attorney General's office. Let them know that you are opposed to the fact that they are not immediately issuing marriage license. Please. The neighboring state of Arkansas has immediately begun issuing marriage certificates. Do we have anybody here from Arkansas? I really thought that Louisiana would issue them before Arkansas, really did. So I was surprised, once again, to be in the state of Louisiana resisting this. So please, if you can, make that phone call, get on the internet, voice your opposition. Even with the Supreme Court's ruling last Friday, social and political barriers, they will continue to be thrown up in the face of the LGBT community. But they will slowly dissipate with efforts of people like you. And once they lose the support of the federal government and the state government, then things are gonna only get better I, do would, I would like to say that progress for the LGBT community and marriage equality owes a debt of gratitude to the civil rights movements and their efforts before us. The decision of the Supreme Court last Friday was the fastest and swiftest action of all civil rights movements and that really was due to the former civil rights efforts that were done. I've been given 10 minutes and I know I'm past that. Um, I ask you please next year we'd like to be a little more prepared My coming and speaking today came over a cup of coffee with uh, myself and Reverend Gerald. It's like, you know, we need to do something to commemorate the LGBT movement in the United States. We have a history. We have leaders. And one day, believe me, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, will be reading about them in school textbooks. Well, wait, you're in the state of Louisiana. Your great-grandchildren will be reading (laughs) but it will happen. And we thought about doing a series of talks and educational programs, and we just didn't have time to put it together this year. We're hoping to do that next year. So if you would like for that to happen, please put that on the front burner, discuss that with Reverend Gerald, and uh, on behalf of the LGBT community, we will put together some educational programs and continue to honor this every June in a way that's meaningful, educational, and humane. Again, I would like to thank you. There was a song that was played earlier. and the song, one of the lines was, you help me feel like I belong. Thank you today for making me feel like I belong.